Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Come on. Happy New Year again. Uh, we're actually starting a, a series, a new series. We're kicking off a new series called New, and, we, and it's a new year. That's a lot of new in there, but anyway. We're just so glad that you're here with us. Just to, before I kick off, just like last week, I shared with you uh, last week that on January 26th, we're going to have a water baptism here on Sunday morning. And if maybe you uh, have given your life to the Lord or maybe you've been baptized before, you see, I just want to make a statement of what God's done in my heart. I believe that baptism is kind of like the wedding band of Christianity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an outward sign of something you've done on the inside. And so... For any of you that go, man, I just want to get water baptized. I want to make a statement. I want to start out the, the new year in a new way. And uh, I just encourage you to sign up. We'll have a sign-up sheet in the back at, at the kiosk when you leave today. Also, uh, I, just, I just want to do this. I want to encourage you. If you haven't, if, if, you don't, if, if you don't have a home church, my prayer for you this year is you find a home church. If this isn't your church, this ain't going to be your home church, I pray that you find a home church and you get involved in that church, and you do what, whatever they do, that you get involved in whatever they do. Is that all right? And uh, just to let you know, for our church, if you feel God has called you here, and you feel like I want to be a part, uh, we're going to have our, our, our next, our first step is going to be on February 9th. It's our membership, and I just want to encourage you to uh, get a, be a part of that. We'll have a sign-up sheet in the foyer at the kiosk at the end of the service as well. And that's all the announcements I have. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit of what we talked about last week. But if you're looking for a title, it's called New Fitness. You're going, oh, Pastor Bubba, I knew you were going to do something about fitness this year. And you go, I didn't want to. Maybe some of you go, man, I dread you sharing this. I dread preaching some of the stuff I got to preach this morning. But this morning, if you want to look at a theme verse, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says this, when someone becomes a Christian... He or she becomes, look what it says, a brand new person where? Come on, where? On the inside. It's not about you showing up at church. It's not about you just getting water baptized. It's not about you just tithing. It's about God does something new on the inside of us. Amen? And so what happens, it says, he is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Remember the first the, the, the greatest change that you'll ever make takes place. It doesn't take place on the, exter- on the external, on the outside. But it takes place on the internal, on the inside. That's where everything changes. I remember when I was, uh, I was probably sixth grade, I was at Cathedral Carmel, and I used to have a guy named Mr. Alfred Mouton. He, used to, he has a lot of property around Lafayette and all that and all the Moutons there. And I remember, I remember he had a radical experience with God. And he'd sing songs about Jesus and all this stuff. And he'd pick us up in his economy. He had a Conavan, those old Ford, 1971 Ford Conavans. You know, we had, about, they, we had a, lot of, a lot of people in our neighborhood that went to this, the cathedral. So they'd drive us there. And I forget when he really changed. I mean, it's like he had a big old cross. I mean, literally. I mean, he had a cross like you could not kill somebody with this cross he wore around his neck. And, and, and it's like he's singing. I was like, man, something really wild happened. I saw a lot of external. But when I, I, I his, his, one of his sons was a good friend of mine. But when I get in the home, there wasn't a lot of internal that had changed. You understand what I'm saying? Because he was still mean to his wife. He was still, whatever, I'll just leave it at that. There's just, just a lot of things I saw in the home life. It, it just didn't match up 
for what he was singing and what he was telling us and all the things he would do. And so, you know, the internal has the power. I just believe the internal has the power to affect the external. Don't you believe that? I believe the reason our resolutions never work is because we focus too much on the external without anything on the inside ever changing. And so make this a year that you focus on spiritual growth because if you focus on spiritual growth, there will be spiritual change that take place in your life. And so this morning when you grow spiritually, it will affect everything else in your life. I don't even believe that. It'll affect everything, your finances, your health, your relationships, the way you look at life, your attitude. I believe, see, the bottom line, your life is going to change when you change spiritually. And so this morning, today, I want to show you the connection between the spiritual and the physical. You know, it's like one of the things, how many of you know that we just live through a season where we just divulge in a lot of food and activities during the holidays? I didn't deny my flesh much. I'll just be honest with you. I haven't run. People, I, one of the girls here, she goes, Pastor, I see you running. I have a, a bus route, and I see you running the morning. I said, well, I hadn't run in about six weeks, okay? I, and I'm feeling it, okay? And, and, and it's like, you know, I, you ever ask somebody, ask them, hey, how do you keep your shape? And they said, here's the principle you need to learn. He said, if you eat like a king in the morning, it's all good. And you eat like a prince at lunch, and you eat like a pulper at dinner, you can watch your way. And I said, yeah, but for me, the problem is I keep having this voice come in my mind. It says, think like a king. <laughs> Y'all get it later. Anyway, you know, I went to the doctor a while back, and, and uh, they told me, they said, man, your weight is fine if you were just 11 inches taller. Anyway, just... But uh, every single one of us have things that we want to physically, we need to physically change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this isn't about a weight loss or this isn't what I'm, I mean, we, we wait. How many of you know we, we uh, the way we eat, the lack of exercise and all the other activities we do, just, just an indicator that maybe things aren't all that great on, our, on, our, on the inside of us sometimes. For some of us, our bodies are calling the shots. They like to rule the roost. How many of you know I'm talking about? You see something, you go, look at that boudin. Oh, yeah. A boudin ball fried in peanut oil. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, I'm feeling it. He said, we are limited by, by what we can do physically because we've been bad stewards of our bodies sometimes. Hello? And so I don't know if you ever know this, but you know that you, you in, it, we are made, we're triune beings. That means there's three parts. That means three parts of every one of us. We all have the body, which is, which is a part we see. It's our sexual desires, our sleep desires, our eating desires. It's just all those things, okay? And then the, the, the soul is the mental capacity that we have. Our, your emotion, your emotional, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's the spirit. It's the part of you that, that will live forever. And, and see, uh, that part of you can worship God. You see, that's the difference between a an animal and a human being. You know, they, they, they have instinct loss. Are you understanding me? There's certain things that they do. During the, during the winter, the ducks and the geese fly, you know, down south. And we get still mad at, at Arkansas because they start shop them and, and stop them. And as I heard some Ducks Unlimited said they have a big net. They had a guy go up to the meeting and wanted hated Ducks Unlimited. He said, I know what's happening. At the state line, they put a big old net, and they're catching all the ducks and geese so they can't come to Louisiana. 
anyway. So, but I know all three of, all three, how many, let me just say, all three of those things, our body, soul, and spirit want to be in charge. At one time, at least once one of them wants to be in charge. You know, it's only your spirit man can change you and make you have success in life. And see, for, for many people, their body is calling the shots. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When your body's in control, your life is going to be in complete disregard of the other two things. You see, you become driven by your emotions. And, and if you're driven by your emotions and you let, you know, or, or, or if it's not your body, it's your, it, it, it's, your, it's your soul, your emotions. And that's where you allow depression to walk in and begin the depression to have its way. You allow, you want comfort food. You want comfort things. You want, you want, you have your self-esteem. When, you're, when your emotions are in charge, it, it has total disregard for the other two. It totally does. Anybody hearing me this morning? See, you know, and it's what it says, I'm in charge. And uh, for many people, that's the reality. Either their body or their soul is in charge rather than their spirit. See, I, but, Paul, but God wants your spirit to be in charge. How many believe that? And so that's what this is all about this morning. And so in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this body that will not, that will not do what what he wants it to do. He called it the body of death. How many of you have those things? There's things you want to do sometimes. Come on. And you don't end up doing it. And there's things you don't want to end up doing. And you end up doing it anyway. But here's Paul. He's saying this in Romans chapter 7, verse 18 through 20. He says, for I have the desire. Underline that in your Bible. On your desire to do what is good. And he says, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do, do not want to do. This, this I keep on doing. Anybody ever feel that way? Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. But it is, what? Sin. Living in me. That does it. Paul discovered what that what he was that what what is driving his sinful desire is is his spiritual condition. As you say, the reason it's driving me to do all things, it's my spirit. The reason you can't get your body, your external in order, is because the internal spirit side is out of order. Paul he he fusses at himself. You ever you ever talk to yourself? Have you ever got mad at yourself? You've been running, you go, Anybody do that? Okay, Paul's fussing at himself. He goes, what a wretched, wretched man I am. He said, who will rescue me from this body of death? Then he goes into this, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe you hate what you cannot stop looking at on the image on the computer. Or you can't stop the way you treat your wife or your husband. Or you hate how much weight you've gained. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't need to go down the grocery list, all right? I think you know what I'm saying. I'm declaring this message is for everyone who struggles physically. Okay, let me, let me just say this. Can I just make a confession? Everything I'm about to preach, I deal with myself. How many of y'all say y'all going to pray for me? Thank you. I need all the prayer I can get. 
How many of you say, Pastor, well, please pray for me? All right, I'm praying for you too, all right? Rome, he, he goes, he goes this, are you living a life where your body's in charge? Here's this, what is the solution? Verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice Paul didn't say, the solution was try harder. The solution is I saw Dan Marino talking about slim whatever. I don't know. I saw what's his name thinking, if I do this, and I stayed up at 2 o'clock the other night, I couldn't get to sleep. And, Pastor, they told me if I bought that little product, I would sleep good. Can I just tell you something? Those solutions won't help you. Because the Bible says, yeah, no matter how much you try, how much you do, the solution is Jesus. You become alive in your life. How many of you want, how many of you want to be alive? And it's only through Christ that you can find yourself in order to lose yourself so you can become alive. See, when you're in control, when, you, when, you're, when you're controlled by the Spirit, there's life and there's peace. But if you're controlled, you know, if you've controlled by your body, it just brings destruction. Let me just show you some things. For, uh, for those of you who have a body that's calling all the shots, there are three things that will always happen to us when we allow our body to call the shots. Are y'all ready this morning? Number one is it destroys me. If you've given your body, if you've given your life to Jesus, the enemy can't keep you from heaven, right? But he's going to do everything he can to destroy the quality of your life. He wants to distract you. That doesn't take much for me. I'm a simply, I'm an easy person to be distracted. How many of y'all know me? Don't say amen. Anyway, just. You pollute yourself and you keep from, see, you pollute yourself, you keep from being effective in any way possible because you're so distracted. Jesus said this, the thief comes only to rob, kill, and what? Destroy. Corinthians, here's Paul, he's saying everything. Look at Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, 1 Corinthians. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Is there anything that's mastering you? Maybe there are things you're doing that aren't that that are permissible, but they're not just they're just not beneficial to you. They're gonna be they're gonna they're not gonna send you to hell, but they're they're just gonna make your quality of life just a little less. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Listen, having a Snickers addiction, it ain't gonna bring you to hell. It'll sure make you look like you got lots of peanuts in you. All right, I'll just leave it at that. And I tell you, you know, when you've been fasting, can I tell you something? When you're fasting like we did, many of you did this week, guess what happens? You're, you're allowing your spirit to tell um, the other member of your body that maybe have been in charge, hello, to go, we ain't eating that. We're not doing it. I'm going to give this up for God, and I'm going to honor him and things that I've struggled with. And all of a sudden, you begin to, you begin to see your eyes being opened to things you've struggled with. When you say, I'm going to commit to do this for the Lord. That's where, actually, you know, during this season, there's a lot of indulging. And just good, good. I mean, I mean my wife, I'm just sharing. Well, you sent those things, whatever you send to my house. What were they? That taffy thing? My God. We ate that. 
And let me tell you something. After a while, my wife looked at me, had just a little bit left. She goes, what do you want me to do with that? I said, get behind me, Shaitan. Those things were so good, I could eat them for the rest of my life. And listen, if I were eating them, I wouldn't have been able to get out of my chair. I mean, babe, you got any of those things Miss Sharon gave us? <laughs> Finally, she just said, what do you want me to do? Throw them away. So we didn't have to throw much away, but we did throw some away. Okay, please forgive me. Confession is good for the soul. I was feeling bad about that. Anyway, I mean, it was, they were heavenly, but they were devilly too. You know what I'm saying? And so... I'm trying to stir you to build your spirit, man, so that you can start winning the battle then rather than your body. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be a winner. Look at your name and say, hey, let's be a winner this year. Now look at yourself and go, you need to be a winner this year. <laughs> You've heard me talk about things about, you know, feeding your spirit, feeding your body. You know, I don't need to go out giving y'all the illustration of the dog. Whatever one you feed is always the one that wins. Come on. I've talked to you about if you really could see someone's spirit, they'd be a spirit. I would love to have a spirit indicator on the door when you walked in, registering 1 through 10. It says where your spirit really is. Had a little x-ray machine. And some of your spirits are like a little Ethiopian poster child holding a little oatmeal bowl going, need me. Come on. When God really wants you to be like one of them big Russian babushka women in the spirit. Get out of my way. I'm just telling you the truth. Anyway. You become stronger by what you feed. Let me go on before I go into insulting anybody. Number two. It dilutes my witness. What do you mean? People are watching the way you live your life. Oh, pastor, I don't care what they think. God does. God cares. A witness. That means you are a witness that God may have touched you. A witness means you saw something happen. Something happens and you can report what you saw, what you felt, and what took place. That's what a witness is in court, right? I remember... You know, well, Judge, Your Honor, I was there, and I saw this and that, and this is what took place. Are you telling us? I am absolute. That's what I saw. You're a witness. The Bible says, let your light shine in front of men so that they may see the good deeds, and they should come up to you and say something like, hey, I want what you got. The way you, it's the way you live your life. Instead of somebody coming to you, hey, man, what you got? <laughs> Ain't got none of that, but man, whatever you got now, I know you were peddling some other stuff before, but what you got, I want it. Tell me about it. When I first got saved, I mean, I had friends coming out, and they started telling me, what, what is it that you got? And I tell them about Jesus. I had one girl coming to me in my 15-year, 20-year, whatever. It's been so long since I graduated high school. It don't matter. And she came up to me, and she goes, I heard you're one of those, like, like Jesus, like, uh, mm, uh. I go, freaks? She goes, yeah, that's it. You, I heard you're a Jesus freak. And I said, well, whose freak are you? <laughs> freak out. Anyway, just. Are you, are you a walking billboard representing the kingdom of God? We are. We're a walking billboard. 
There are people waiting for me to mess up in Walmart. Come on. You know, I saw that little pastor over there. And I said, he got mad at that checkout lady. Come on. Listen, I'll just tell you this. We live in a town that's small enough people will always remember everything you did. Good, bad, and ugly. Come on, anybody got an amen on that one? And guess what? You need to start living for the Lord because some, you need people to have some other kind of talk rather than trashy, stinking kind of talk. How about they talk about Jesus, man? I don't, whew, that girl, ooh, God, that girl was bad. She was nasty. She was this. Look, at, look what God did to her. Let, that is God. You must keep your life and your body in order because God, people are watching who you represent. Corinthians says it like this in chapter 8, verse 21. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only for the eyes of the Lord, but also for the eyes of men. I challenge you to live your life that it's so attractive. People walk up to you and go, why are you so happy? It's kind of like that song. Remember that song, it's all well, it's all... It is all well with my soul. You remember that song, that classic song? Do you know who wrote that? There was a guy that wrote that, that song. And what happened, his, he, he had lost his home in Chicago. So he sent his wife and his four daughters on a journey to Europe, to actually England. They were on a ship, and actually another ship hit that ship. And the, the, he lost all four of his daughters, and only his wife was a survivor. And he telegrammed them back and told him what had happened. And so he, got on the, he, was, he was going to get on the boat to go meet his wife, and the people, the boat that he was on that was bringing him there, they knew what had happened, and they, and they went, they kind of stayed, kind of, the, the captain said, this is where your daughters are entombed for the rest, for eternity. They're entombed in this boat right here in this spot. And that guy just sat there and watched, and he looked, and in his heart, he said, it's all well with my soul. No matter what comes my way, no matter what happens in my life, it is well with my soul. God wants to work so deeply in your life that you reflect him in every way and everything you do. I had a Bible teacher, Leonard Ravenhill. Everybody wants to quote him, but no one wanted to be him because he was rough and he was tough. He was one of the great revivalists. He used to pray with A.W. Tozer. He used to do revivals all throughout England and America. I mean, I'm talking serious stuff. I mean, when he would preach, everybody would literally be on their face crying. Like, I'm like, whoa. Is me. I mean, seriously, like God would just come. And I remember when he was looking, he was at a gold, he was looking at, a, he was visiting a goldsmith. And this goldsmith was doing it, and he's watching in the pot. And I've shared this story before, but I feel like I have to say, and he's looking in, and he goes, hey, hey, is it ready? And the goldsmith, no, it's not ready. He goes, he goes well. And he stirs it up more, heats up the fire, and he goes, is it ready? He goes, no, it's not ready. And he goes, well, how do you know it's ready? And he looks at him, and he goes, it's ready now. And he goes, well, how did you know? He said, it's ready when you look into it, and you can see just a reflection of yourself. God wants us to reflect him. When people look at the heat of life, the pressures of life, how many of you had some rough stuff happen in 2013 that you don't want to repeat? How many there was some fire that came your way? Listen, let me tell you something. Just because, and I'm believing you're going to have a blessed 2014. Anybody says they want one, say amen. amen. Okay? I'm believing that. But that doesn't mean that the fires of testing and trials won't come your way. 
It doesn't mean that. I remember there was a movement one time that were telling ladies that, you know, if you had childbirth pains, you were in sin. I mean, it's a promise. That that's part of what God said. While you're, you know, he said, you will have childbirth. But it was, it was a hyper thing that was going around in, in the Christian circles for a while back in the 70s. And they said, if you got pain, you, you probably got sin and you don't have enough faith. Let me tell you something. I've been with my wife. I don't want to have that, what she had. I like what Carol Burnett, Carol Burnett said this. If you want to know what childbirth is like, take your bottom lip and stretch it over your head. That's what childbirth is like. I think it's worse. No matter how hard the tragedy may be, you can still say, can you still say it's all well with my soul? My spirit man is bigger than my flesh. That's what happens. That your spirit man, how can some, see when my body's in control, the third thing, it dishonors God. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, they had a place that they built a temple where the glory and the presence of God would come. And God said, that's not the way we're going to do it anymore. When Jesus came, the new covenant, he said, listen, I'm going to allow the spirit of God to dwell in the hearts of men. So it's no longer in a building. I, I know some of us, when we grow up, I remember growing up, and you'd go into a place, and it was a, it was a temple or it was a church, and you just felt like it was a holy thing. How many are you talking about? And, and it's like we would, we would touch things different. We would act different. You know, your, your mama or your daddy taught you reverence in that place. But God's saying, listen, he's saying this. It's not your body is the place that Jesus wants to dwell. You are the temple of God. If, if, if this is the case, don't think you should, don't you think you should treat it right? How I many of you know that if, if we knew that it was the temple of God where he lives, we might treat this a little different than we normally do? You say, well, you know, I've, seen, I, I, I've heard one guy go, you know, Pastor, I know I'm supposed to be the temple of the Lord, but let me tell you something, my temple is a mega church. You're going to make a church. What he's saying is that your body is a place where Jesus will dwell. If this is the case, don't you think you should do treat it right? Anybody got an amen on that one? First Corinthians says, do, not, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? I like what he says, never. See, I want to call you to a new level of new fitness. And so let's look at Timothy. Are y'all with me so far? Learning anything. Okay. See, I want to pastor you. I want you by the end of the year and say, you know what? I would, like, I would like to do a test. If you're not growing, if you're not passionate about God by the end of this year, I'll just give you a test. If you show up and you allow God to do what he wants to do and speaks to your heart and you'll be obedient to him, I believe that you'll be more passionate by the end of the year than you are right now. And if you're not, I'm going to another church with you. Is that okay? That's the truth. I mean that. Second, it says, I want to call you a new level. He says, Second Timothy says, but in a great house, there are many, there, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth and some of honor and some of dishonor. If a man, therefore, purge himself from these, in other words, you, you won't watch what you watch if you realize that you're a holy place. You won't say some of the things you normally would say because you know you're a holy place. Are y'all with me? 
You won't overeat if you realize you are a holy place. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and fit for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, I'm calling us to a to us to physical fitness that affects, I mean, spiritual fitness that affects your, your physical fitness. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? You know, I, that, that uh, it's kind of like that, that song, I think, who was it, Donna Summer? Let's get physical, physical. Let's get spiritual, spiritual. We need to change it, all right? Because a lot of us have been too physical. And it's time for us to get spiritual. Thank you for all those amens. I thought it was a good analogy, but maybe you didn't. So, Put this to use and you'll be fit for the master's life. How many of you want to be fit for the master to use? How many of you want to be fit for the master to use? If you want to be fit for the master, I want to be fit for him. And that means sometimes if I'm fit for him, I need to get this body in shape so we can do what he told the master's asking me to do. You see... Physical training has some value. You know, I like uh, Timothy says, for physical training is of some value, but, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise to, uh, for both the present life and the life to come. Physical training has some value, but God, God's fitness has everlasting value. Physical training affects your life right now, but, but godly training affects you for eternity. You know, last week I talked about questions. I gave you four questions about being spiritually fit. This week I want to give you four questions about being uh, physically fit. And here are the four questions I'm going to ask. I want you to ask yourself just like you did last week. The first one, here's some principles that get you physically fit, okay? Number one, the first question, am I offering daily? Am I offering my body to God daily? I love this scripture. I quote this all the time, almost every day of my life. I remember it's in Romans chapter 1, verse, I mean chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, it's saying, when he's saying this, when he's saying to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, it's in holy and pleasing. It means once and for all, your whole self, you give it to God. What does that look like, Pastor Bubba? Every day, I, if I want to have a worship experience, this is what I got to do. Let me just help you what I have to do every day. Number one, I have to, gi- I have to give my mind to God. Hello? Because my mind is one, it's prone to wonder. I have to go, God, this is your mind. I want the mind of Christ. I don't want my mind. I don't want stinking thinking because I'm a man just like every other man. I have things. Sometimes I have to put blinders on. Are you hearing me? And I have to watch what I think. I have to watch. I want things that are pure, that are right, that are acceptable to God. Another thing i got to do, give your eyes. Make a covenant with your eyes. I'm a man like every other man. I need to make a covenant with my eyes. Another thing, I need to give my mouth. Come on. I need to put a filter on this mouth because this mouth can go wild. Y'all getting real quiet. Tell y'all praying for me. I want 
I want it to be said, let there, pra- let there be praise continually on my mouth. How many you know, I mean, it, it's just the nature of man. How many you know, like you can have the, the right conditions for everything you thought you needed to have, but you can still complain? That's like what hunting's like. Man, the wind's right. The birds are moving, but the wind's in the wrong direction. Why didn't we just have the right direction? You know how it is, women, you go to the, they said they had a sail. They lied. They said it was going to be, there was a little, little thing that didn't tell you the complete story. They just wanted you to get to the store, hello? And you have, you have tempted to say something to somebody with your mouth. Also, you have to, God, give me your feet. Keep my feet from running to evil. I don't want my feet to run to evil. I want my feet to run to you. Like my little girl runs to me when I come home. Let me have that picture in my mind that when, I've been, when I get things in my life that I don't go run to depression. I don't run to being emotional, but I run to you and I let you strengthen me. Are y'all understanding what I'm trying to say? Give me your mind. Give me your eyes. Give me your mouth. Give me. Your, are you surrendering these things to Christ daily? What, what, will, what will happen when you do? You will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit will take control. Working in you instead of your body. And your life is going to be better. And you'll have, be like that great philosopher, Mr. Phil from Duck Dynasty. And you'll be happy, happy, happy. The second thing you need to ask yourself, am I withdrawing weekly? Am I convinced that my physical unhealthiness happens because most believers violate the principle of the Sabbath? Hello? Okay, Pastor, what's that? I'm convinced, you know, that that many of some of us just don't stop. We just don't slow down. My wife and I are looking at each other. Man, we've had, man, the last, we were sitting the other day. Man, the last six months, and man, it's been busy. It's just been this, weddings and things, holidays, kids, events, soccer, you know, whatever. Just busy. You know, maybe Pop-Tarts has become your favorite food because you just don't have time to stop. And you know what? If you really don't have a lot of time, and you put the pop part, if you pop, put the pop, Peter Pickle, 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 you know, if you put Pop-Tarts in the microwave, you're really unhealthy. Do you know that Pop-Tarts actually do have microwave instructions? I didn't know that. Anyway, just, if you're microwaving your popcorn, your Pop-Tarts, your popcorn, they do have that. But if you're microwaving your Pop-Tarts, you're out of control. The solution to slowing down is taking the Sabbath every week. It's a day set aside from Facebook. You need to get your face in this book. People ask, Pastor Bubba, why you ain't Facebook? I don't need another high school reunion. I don't want someone following me and finding out. I mean, look, if you want to know junk in my life, just come ask me. I'll tell you more you probably want to know. You say, I, I have people, Pastor, you ain't going to be, I'm not, can I just be honest with you? If, if I'm ever on Facebook, it's because God spoke to me. In, woke, I woke up in the middle of the night, God appeared to me on the end of my bed and said, join Facebook, Baba. <laughs> but until he does that, 
My face is staying in this book. No, it's true. You know, they had a little thing where someone followed someone. They were looking at them on Facebook. I know people, they try to make spiritual comments on Facebook. Oh, you know, if this and that, if the world and, and the church and they're doing all these things, well, why don't you go live it? Get off of Fox News. Slap myself. Set aside TV time. Your TV time. Put it away. Instead of filling your life with so many useless things, just go spend time. Get some rest. Get your Bible. When's the last time you just went and got your Bible? See, let me just tell you, if your life is out of balance, it's because of this. How many of you know it needs to be God in your life, your wife or your husband, your family, and then ministry? Hello? But I know a lot of people put ministry before God. Hello? And it's all ministry, 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 ministry. And I've been there. And when I do that, it's out of order. And because when you do that, and I know a lot of people with their wife or their husband at the end. And then you look at their marriage and you look at their kids. They have a bitter home. You just do. I was with a guy that this past week, Tracy and I were with a guy that He's helped Joel Osteen. I can name every mega church, every big event thing. He was with us this week, and he was with our elders this week, just sharing with us and talking to us. And he went out to eat with Tracy, and I. He goes, man, and it was one of great compliments. Tracy and I just felt so. He goes, man, I meet so many pastors and their wives and couples. And your kid, he met Luke and Living. He said, but you know, Baba, you and Tracy, like, Y'all got it going on. Kind of like that song. Got it going on. <laughs> he said, I like your kids. They just seem like real little kids. Can I tell you something? That's the greatest compliment that anybody could ever give me as a husband and my wife us as a couple because sometimes have you ever felt that way like I'm just a whole bag of dirt listen God's about you knowing him that you have a healthy marriage and you have great kids that's what our church is about listen I want men listen our herd meetings have been awesome ladies can, can I tell you what I've seen in the herd meetings tears I've seen men going man that's ooh. That's what I need. I'm telling you. Come on, men, are you in the herd? If you're there, go. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Come on. Some of you men and women need to hear that. Rrr. It's true. And guys are walking out. And it's not, it's not me doing anything. It's us inviting other people, people in our church speaking. And God just working on men. The best time is after we sh someone shares, we just have our table talk, and we just get real with each other. It's kind of like a Sabbath from, you know, trying to be the man. I'm the man. The man. Which way is the bathroom? Oh, that way. God wants us to tear that exterior down. He wants us to be real. Isaiah says this, and before I get off in uh, another zone, if you remember, y'all pray for me. If, you're, if you keep your feet 
from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath the delight in the Lord's holy day honorable, if you, if you, and if, if you honor, it will not, it, it, you see, if you honor, it will not going your way, your, your own way, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on new heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. And look what it says. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I mean, let me just let me just take a little moment and prophetically give you a word from the Lord. Return to the principle of the Sabbath and you may have practicality and joy and peace in your life. And I'm speaking to myself because I know a lot of pastors that are out of order. They don't even keep a Sabbath in their own life. It's not something that is, that, that it's, it's not up to debate. God commands us to take a Sabbath and to pursue what? Him. If you do this, your spiritual and physical health, it'll just increase. Let me go on. Number three. Here's the question. Am I living purposefully? Am I living? If you know why you're why you are alive, you know you need to keep your body fit to pull off what you know that your purpose is. See, because see what happens is there's a lot of people that come to church and they don't know their purpose. They're trying to find their purpose and they're trying. Is that the wind of the purpose, gentlemen? It's you. But listen, you find your purpose when you find God. And you allow God to do what only he can do in your life. You see, it's always better to your purpose because to know your purpose. Because when you do, you have a reason to take care of yourself. Hello? If you really want to grow, live with a sense of purpose. You know, like the Bible says, where there is no vision, it says this, there is no restraint. Proverbs 29. Verse 18. Where there's no vision, people cast, it says people cast off restraint. In other words, I'm not having anything to do with that. I just throw it aside. No restraint. I just do what I want to do. You see, if you're doing what you want to do and you're out of control, it's because you have no vision and you have no purpose for your life. You run, and he says, if you really, you know, run this race called life with the mind to win the prize in your mind. You see, do you think, do you know why you're, you're on this planet? Here it is. If you don't know, here it is. Look what it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Church, I'm calling you out. Run in such a way. Live your life in such a way you go for the prize. Are you hearing me? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. If you're going to run a marathon, man, I have the requirements. I think I have it in the front of my, no, I know I have it in my, in Proverbs, in one of my notes, but I'm not going to go to it. But I know you got to run so many miles a day. 
six miles a day. You got to swim, I think, eight miles. You got to ride your bike 25 miles because you're training for that one that one event. If you're going to win an iron, you're going to Ironman. You're going to look. You're going to swim like three miles, okay? You're going to run 26. You're going to do a marathon. You're going to run 26, and you're going to ride your bike for 100 miles. Some of you are tired already. I can see it. And you train yourself. I was reading about a movie that they just made about these guys, the real life story, and they were how they, they had to go in six-month training to prepare their bodies and to be able to do what they had to do to get the look that they wanted to look, all for just a few weeks of, of filming a movie. They went into training. You see, he's saying this, therefore, he, well, let me go on, let me see. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But, he underline that but because he's talking about your butt. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. Which way do I go? Which way do I go? He said, I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Can I mean, I want to get prize focused. You know what I want you as a church to do this year? Get prize focused. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm going for the crown. I'm going, I'm going to be, a, if you're a man, a woman, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman of God this year. This is going to be my best year spiritually that I ever grow. I'm going to, we're going to have the best marriage possible. I'm going to lay down my life for my wife this year. I'm gonna, there's going to be uh, ladies. I'm going to do, I'm going to do things. I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to do things. I'm going to build that man up. He's going to wonder if I'm having an affair. I'm going to have an affair with Jesus. So, hey, you know, you, your wives come up to you guys, go, what is up with you? You say, well, have you been having an affair? Yes, I have. What? Been having an affair with a man. A man? Jesus. Oh, okay, well. That one's okay. I look in my Bible, that one's all right. Listen, I beat my body to make it a slave. Number four, here's the last question. Am I honoring fully? This one, I think about this one, and I, and I look at myself. I remember when I was a slave, a slave to my, a slave to sin. I remember, you were, you know what, we were all once dead in sin, and we've all been raised with life of Christ, amen? But I remember when I was a slave, and I remember that that day that I gave my life to the Lord, it'd be like this. It's like the, the enemy and the devil, and he says, what, 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 what do I need to do for Bubba? What do I need to do for the people in our Savior's church? And the enemy goes, you got to die for them to purchase them. Jesus died to get me out of my slavery. 
He died for you to get you out of your slavery. You're slave to sin. You're slave to yourself. You're slave to your body. You're slave to your emotions and, and all the things that we allow those things to cover in our lives. And he said, he says, Father, gladly will I give my life. And I'll lay my life down and I'll spill my blood for their purchase. I'll spill it. God sent his only son to save me, to rescue me from slavery. Corinthians says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are, you are not your own. You were bought, look at it says, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Every day I want to live with it the reality that Jesus paid for me. He paid for me. That I'll never forget. I'll never forget where I was. Who I was. But yet what he did. I want to honor the one who got me out of slavery. There's a story of a man in South Carolina when they had the slave market and he was put on the block and they just treated people like animals. He was a fine specimen, what they thought of a man. He was tall, he had muscles, he was strong. He'd breed good offspring because they looked at him like an animal. And he thought in his mind, when they put me on that auction block, I'm act like a crazy man, so no one will buy me. And so they did, and the chains got tight, and he just started, nah, he started cursing people that were in the crowd. You buy me, I'll kill you when I get all these chains. So the bidding started going, and, and when he started making his threats, and everything is, the bidding started getting lower. So there was one man that kept bidding, kept bidding, kept bidding. And at the end of the thing, the man bought him. And it became his property. And they brought him. It took eight men to hold him down. And he says, as soon as they let me in, you can take me away. But when I get my chance, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, sir. I'm going to kill you. And the man came up to him. He said, hold on. Before you try to kill me, I just want to let you know. In my hand are the owner's papers. I own you, but I only bought you. Set you free. That man went from threats to wanting to kill the man, getting on his knees, ask the man to forgive me. He said, sir, I'll serve you, whatever you want. He wanted to be a love slave, but the man set him free. And see, let me tell you something. I don't have to do things. You don't have to do things. But I know this, I serve a new master. And my, ma my new master loves me. He purchased me with his blood, with his body, with a great price. And I'll serve him as a love slave for the rest of my life. I'll love him. Whatever he wants, whatever he needs, it's for my best. And it's for your best. Are y'all hearing me this morning? See, you, you must understand that you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. This is why we honor God with our body. See, maybe you've come here 
this morning and you're going, Pastor Bubba, I, you know, I, God's really been doing something in me. You know, I've given my life to the Lord before, Pastor Bubba, but it just seemed like there hasn't been any effect. Can I tell you something? That's religion. It's not coming to a church. It's coming to Jesus. And some of you, you know why you're frustrated? You know why it seems like things aren't changing? Because you've allowed your emotions and your body to rule you rather than the spirit of the living God. And this is what I'm saying this morning. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Spirit man, spirit woman, be what God wants you to be. Feed your spirit. Don't be like that where your spirit's going, feed me. Listen, you know how you feed your spirit? You spend time with God. How do you get to know him? By opening up this book and finding out what his personality's like. Look, the only way I get to know my wife is by spending time with her. We were drinking coffee the other morning. It's been, you know, we try to do that, but it was, it was just like been so busy and stuff. It was like it was so good just to sit there and talk. How many I'm talking about? Just talk. Doesn't mean everything's got to be great. Doesn't mean you got to be happy. Just means you're talking. Come on. Some of you, well, I don't want to talk because when we talk, it goes into an argument. Well, get through the argument. Get through the get to the root of the issue. Listen, I'm here today as saying this. Jesus loves you. And he's proven his love to us. And yet while we were like slaves, Christ came. 